What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Arizona Wild Bags podcast. I am Tyler and I am your host as always. And our Wildcats played a blue blood that they had never played before. And some good basketball was actually played. And I hope you had a good weekend because of it. And we'll dive in in just a second. Cue the music and drop me a beat. This game against Indiana had the feel of not only a tournament game, but really a Sweet 16 game because even Gus Johnson said that it was an NCAA tournament atmosphere here, folks. Like, he's the man. Like, if he says it, it's a fact. He's Gus Johnson. That was an NCAA tournament game. I don't care who you are. That was that was quite the atmosphere. Just sitting at home, watching it on TV. Can't imagine what it was like in person because both fan bases were super loud. Like you could really hear Indiana. Like after uh, was it Race Thompson had like two threes in a row, you could hear the Indiana crowd just screaming. And anytime they made a basket, because they did frequently offer like right away, and Indiana would get right back in it. Crowd would just get all over them. It was like a home game for Indiana, but that's not to discredit U of A fans. U of A fans showed up and you always, you hear those U of A chants. U of A. And the hair start to rise on your arms. You get those goosebumps because I do. And God, I just love hearing that, especially when it's March and or especially in like a big game like that. But you could tell from just at home, this was an insane broadcast. And just diving right into the game itself, Indiana led this game for just a minute and 10 seconds. The score was 4-3 when they led, and they never led again. Like, Arizona didn't really have to sweat this one out. They kind of didn't have to sweat out the Maui Invitational. They just have this way of not making their opponents crumble, but just a game plan so well that you just, you will not see the best version of the other team. Like you just won't unless that team is Utah, but like, we're not going to get blown out either in a neutral court or at home. Like we know that's the case. I'd liked what Tommy Lloyd was doing. He, he had the pale twin towers out there for a little bit with Henry Visar and Tubelas, but <laughs> just, there's a lot of lineup shuffling and there's a lot of lineup shuffling for Indiana because they didn't have Jalen Hood Shafino. And I really wish they did because he's an NBA prospect. He is going to be a really good player. And I just wish they were at full strength because I didn't want to hear it from people saying, well, if they were just at full strength, you know, they would have won. It's like you either hear that or you were going to hear all the calls that weren't called according to Indiana fans, like the goaltending. Yes, obviously that was goaltending. Like I'm not going to hide away from that, but it's not the reason you lost. Like I said, Arizona didn't have to sweat. They led for 37 minutes of this game. That is why you lost, but I'm not going to sit here and say the game would have been completely different if Jalen Hutchifino played because it probably wouldn't have mattered to be completely honest. Arizona was the better team the whole game. 
we saw Pella Larson quietly have an awesome bounce back game. Like he did a good job off the ball of being just kind of in the right place at the right time on some key possessions in the first half. And there was a ton of good ball movement in that first half. You had Henderson who passed to Dubellis while on his knees after the loose ball. And I got to say, man, Henderson's a really polished player. Like he just doesn't play a ton of minutes, but he does a lot of the little things that I want to see a game where he just goes off for at least 15 points. And I believe he actually has the talent for that because he carried Campbell and he was a three point shooter and a rim slasher. And I think he can do it at Arizona if he just catches fire. Like I don't see how that's not possible because I feel like everyone on this lineup can go off any given week. Like we know Tubelis is going to go off just about every game. So is Balo. Kirk Carissa has his games where he just goes in God mode or he just does a regular game and he shows the heart. He shows the emotion. And if the whole team, to be honest, usually it's just Kirk Carissa, the whole team, man, they wanted this game because like I said, Kirk Carissa, he's just an energy drink for this Arizona squad. Like he is just an energizer bunny. He's the glue at some, some points like he can get this thing going. His three-point shooting was decent. He had shot 40% on four of 10 shooting, though he was a little heat checkish at the end of the first half. I didn't really like that shot attempt. I thought he should have moved the ball around and got somebody an open look because he just wanted to step back and be Kobe for a second. But I got to say, his pure point guard play, it's actually been pretty stellar. Um, Seven assists in a high-level basketball game where he didn't have to do much other than hit some awesome threes and you have two Bellas running up and down the court transition, just give him the ball and let him slash. Um, you had Henderson and Adama ball. And even sometimes there was Courtney Ramey who they just go and transition, get him the ball and they'll, they'll cook, man. Like I liked the way Adama ball, um, he had a couple awesome assists. Like I'll get into him a little later, but, just the way this team runs up and down the court, it's like seeing it every game is like seeing it for the first time. Like I'm just in awe every time how fast this team freaking scores. Tubelis is the main guy when you look at running in transition because he he even looked in this game how we thought he would look in the tournament next to Ben Matherin last year. And he had some tough baskets. He's just a faster big man than just about every big man in the country. And show me a better moving big man than Tubelis because he's just so smooth with it at times and he has a decent handle, like really good touch around the rim. We saw Umar Balo had that sick play where he passed it to Tubelis behind his head and he had the um, reverse layup. And it's just like, that's just nuts to see Umar Balo pass like that. Runs up and down court with the goggle celebration. Like we have two big men that can actually pass pretty well if they need to like the ability to handle this fast paced basketball and transition and find the right guy cutting is something you don't really see in, with college teams today. Like just their ability to pass the ball and play as a team, even though you know they've got their stars on the roster that are going to go off. And yeah, the game plan is going to go through those guys, but Tommy Lloyd does a really good job of game planning to where everyone's getting involved somewhere or the other. So you don't really get guys that are completely out of rhythm, to be honest. 
One of them is at Dama Ball, who not only contributed with three three-pointers and shot 100% from beyond the arc, but like I mentioned, his assists he had when he was running up court, he had the great assist in transition to Courtney Ramey, and he hit that shot. He also had a pass to Tubelis in transition, a player or two later, but for the game, he was only credited with one assist when he should have easily had two, and I I don't get that at all, how he didn't get credited with that, because if you go back and watch the highlights, you'll see it. It doesn't make sense to me. But like I said, he shot 100% from three. The team shot 10 of 25 from three. And you know who else did? Indiana. Like both teams were 40% from three with the exact same numbers of 10 of 25. So it makes you wonder, did Arizona not defend the three well or did they shoot well? Because it's one or the other, but it didn't really feel like they defended well at times. Like we saw Race Thompson hit threes in back-to-back possessions to get the crowd going wild, like I mentioned earlier, on Umar Balo, who didn't really close out on him. And Arizona scouts must have been okay with Race Thompson taking those threes because he's a career 26% three-point shooter. He's actually less. He's 25.9% from three. But of course, he makes those two in a row. And Race Thompson finished the whole game going four of seven from three with 16 points. Like, Dude does not do this, but he does against us. We had Tamar Bates, who was number 53. He'd come in and felt like he was just ripping Arizona apart at one point. And he felt like he was hitting everything. But his stat line won't show it. He was 6 of 10 from the field, which is 60%. Only 13 points. Like, you got to take more shots if you're that guy. Playing 28 minutes. I think he's supposed to be the sixth man for them, too. He looked pretty good, man. I'm not going to lie. I thought that dude was going to rip my heart out a couple times there. It just felt like we could not stop that dude at all. Like we couldn't defend him. Couldn't defend Race Thompson. We couldn't defend Miller Cop, who was looking smooth with it. Little little poor man's Austin Reeves out there. Freaking look and everything. Either way, three-point defense needs to improve against teams in closer games. But Indiana's, however, does too. They usually give up 60 points per game to opponents thanks to their front court that forces everyone to shoot threes and they miss because they've got such pesky guards and they've got a nice little rotation of them too. Like those guards, I was actually impressed with. Like they did turn the ball over a lot, but that to me was just more Arizona's pesky defense and Kirk Carissa going for the ball than taking charges than their guards screwing up. But the glaring disparity to me was Arizona's front court versus Indiana's front court. Because the Arizona's got the height to stay in every game that they play and basically thrive in. But they didn't have to shoot incredible from beyond the arc to lead in this one. They just had to show up and shoot well enough to win. And they did that and then some. And oh yeah, they were just under 50% from the field as a whole. Now, Arizona's next game is going to be against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, but let's be honest. We only care about the Tennessee Volunteers game at home next Saturday. And I don't know about you guys, but that game last year left such a bad taste in my mouth, especially when it comes to the calls that were being made. Like It just felt like Arizona could not get into a rhythm, and they were just trying to play catch with the whole game. They couldn't get a single call 
And every basket Tennessee made was like they were in the national championship and their crowd went insane. But that's the SEC. That's what you're going to get. And I actually think they'll probably travel pretty well because if they're not coming to Arizona for the game, they live here. But I got to see Arizona just absolutely dominate in this game. Because remember, these Vols lost to Colorado and an absolute stunner earlier in the season. And that is their only loss. And they've gotten some fairly impressive wins too with a 14-point drubbing over Kansas, who was number four at the time, Uh, 8-point dub over USC, a 26-point win over Butler, who's not a terrible team, but they're solid, and a fresh win against number 13, Maryland, 56-53. to So what is Tennessee good at? Well, they're 12th in the country in offensive rebounding. So eliminating the second chance buckets is should be the priority. Box out. We've got the bigs to handle it. I expect to see a lot of Henry Visar in this game, kind of swapping in there, guarding maybe Viscovi, because gosh, just hearing that name, dude, I'm pissed off. Gotta beat these guys. They're also number one in adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm. So there's we're gonna see stretches where Arizona is struggling to score, but If they can just shoot like they shot today, freaking 10 of 25 from three, I'll take 40% every game. And Tennessee's not really a three-point shooting team as their percentage is sitting at just 33%. But they're a very balanced team, though, as five players average double-digit points for them. And the next closest score averages 8.8 points. Needless to say, this is going to be a tough game for Arizona, but... If they play like they played against Indiana, they can pull it out. Now, last week, I purposely picked Arizona not to win the last game, and you're all welcome because we got to beat Indiana. So I'm not going to pick them again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I don't believe in karma. I mean, I don't believe in superstition, whatever. So Arizona is winning this game at home. 78-74. Mark it down. Arizona wins, and they get another win on the resume over a ranked team. This podcast is brought to you by ArizonaWildBags.com where you can cop the world-famous wild bag tee made from premium fabric and 100% combed ring-spun cotton and the official Arizona Wild Bags mug as purchased by Mark Titus, my guy Jared on Twitter, shout out, and Lance Lynn, the king of retweets. Long sleeve shirts, a bunch of other styles... Keep an eye out because I'll be dropping some new stuff on the site. And use code DeAndre Ayton, all one word, for 15% off all merch at ArizonaWildBags.com. You've all been asking about it, and it is back. The MVP rankings. We're going to dive right in. Number three, our boy Kirk Carissa. The fire this man had against Indiana will always win over the people. We saw him put up seven assists. He shot 40% from three. He's the fire and the glue. He's whatever you want to call him. He played 33 minutes. That is the most on this team. No, second most. I'm sorry. Pell Larson played 34. He's the second most used player on this team because we need him, man. Because we don't have a full-on backup point guard yet. The only guys averaging 
assists after Kirk Carissa are Courtney Ramey and Pell Larson that had three in this game. Like Kylan Boswell played three minutes in this game. Would like to see him get a little more playing time, kind of really polish him into a backcourt off the bench kind of role because I'd like to see him get going. I want to see him just not out in the lion's den completely, but I want to see him be ready enough to make some awesome plays off the bench by the time we get into like Pac-12 tournament and just the tournament play. And he'll get that as the season goes on. He'll get that with conference play. Number two on the list, Umar Balo, because he's Umar Balo. And he just barrels down opponents, man. He's just out there beating guys up like Donkey Kong with that big body that no one can guard. And he's going to be the reason that we match up with teams so well in March and that teams are going to be at a disadvantage against us, especially in the conference, because the dude just is, he's insane out there. Like no one can guard him. He's so smooth with his footwork and his little spin move. But like he's, he's just miles better than he was last season. And I just think he is the, besides Tubelis, he's the biggest anchor on this team. And Tubelis is number one. You guessed it. He is quietly one of the top players in contention in the country. And I say quietly because nobody else besides like just a handful of analysts are really talking about him as a top player in the country. Because of course, all of us are. Like he and Balo, God, they just create so many matchup mismatches for teams. Because like if it's not going to be the guard play just absolutely lighten up the scoreboard. It's them nine times out of 10. They're going to beat whoever you have on the court. Now, besides Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton has been the best player on the struggling Phoenix Suns right now. And I say struggling, but because they've got injuries for days and he has been dominating guys. Like he is my wildest wildcat. And as of a few days ago, besides one trash bucket of a game, his stats were 20 points, 8 rebounds, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 17 points, 12 rebounds, 29 points, 21 rebounds, 28 points, 12 rebounds. Like, he's just filling up the stat sheet. Like, that's the kind of performances you want to see from him throughout the season. Like, if he can keep that up, he'll be up there with the Joel Embiid's of the world. Like he's that good. He's got that potential because he's just, he's taken it to another level this season as he should, because in my opinion, he still has no idea how good he actually can be. He's got some of the best footwork I have seen in a while from any U of a player, for instance, but in the NBA, like he still has little baby Hakeem Olajuwon game to a step. And it's the aggressiveness and the dominance that hasn't really been there until recently. And man, he better keep it going because Phoenix is going to need him because they're looking rough right now. And thankfully, they just got Chris Paul back. They should get Devin Booker back soon. Um, it's going to be a while till they get Cam Johnson back. But James Jones just has to make a move. And I just want to rant about Phoenix, but I'm not going to because this is a U of A podcast and not everybody's a Phoenix Suns fan. Like, me and a handful of others. 
My red and blue moment of the week is the no-look dime from Kirk Carissa to Azulis Tubelas in transition. It, there was some straight filth on that. And Kerr has been rolling this season with his assist averages at 7.7 assists, which is awesome. More than the average point guard in college. But the only downside is his turnovers are sitting there at three a game. Like He has got to get those numbers in control, like, especially against Tennessee, because if it's not the big showing up, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. It's got to be Pella Larson, Courtney Ramey, and the bench. And I feel like he's consistent enough. He's hitting his stride that we're not really seeing those complete up and down games that he had maybe last year and the year before. I say year before, he played a month. He's actually consistent now, like to say the least. 7.7 assists a game in your first 10 games of this season are just insane. Like, if he can keep that pace up, who knows where this team's going to go. Now the Bilbo Baggins of the week. Pella Larson snapped out of his funk. He had a 16-point game, and he looked good. He didn't have to do anything flashy. He was 5 of 9 from the field, and... The only shots he actually missed were three-pointers, but he was at the right place at the right time so many times. Like His off-ball game is awesome. You always see him going down low for a rebound or just making the right pass, the right read, the right defensive matchup, like good switches. Like He does so many things well when he doesn't have the ball. So just keep an eye on that the next time you watch him. But he went on an adventure in this game, redeemed himself, and I'm sure his confidence went way up after this, although he didn't make three, so hard to say. He's not a bad player by any stretch, and we knew it was only a matter of time before he finally broke out of that scoring slump. The baggest bag of the week is none other than Bryce James. He signed an NIL deal with Clutch Sports, and he doesn't actually graduate until 2025, by the way. So although he's unranked right now as a recruit, he's still only a sophomore. But remember what Brian Windhorst said about Bryce is that he may end up being a better prospect than his brother, Bronny, who is a four-star player currently with active offers from every good college, UNC, and a bad college named Duke. All of them that you can think of, Ohio State, Everybody wants him. Why wouldn't they? But man, LeBron James's kids are going to be billionaires before they even step on an NBA court, man. With the NIL deals they're going to pick up in high school and the NIL deals they'll get in college. Like, thank goodness for the NIL because we don't have to see players like them, like players we actually would want to watch go to the G League. I know the G League gets you more ready from a talent perspective, possibly. I don't know. The jury's still out on that. College basketball is dominant to me. All right. I got some shout outs. Shout out to Creighton for losing just about every game since we played them last. And they just lost to ASU. They'll be ranked when we play them, which is cool. Like, great. We're going to have a ranked game against ASU for the first time in a few years minimum. I think it was like 2018 was the last time ASU was ranked when we played them. Are they actually good? Like every year, Uncle Bobby Bags looks like 
gets off to a bad start. He'll get fired at some point is what I think. But somehow he prevails and he's still coaching throughout the year and the next season. And I'm just thinking, how is that man still there? Like, honestly. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the pod. And if you didn't, cool. If you hate it, awesome. Tell me about it. Or if you'd love it, tell me about it too. Love to know about it. It would help me a lot if you left a review on wherever you're listening or just DM me on Twitter at Arizona Wild Bags. Or if you're an old school kind of person, that's cool too. You can email me at Arizona Wild Bags at gmail.com. And remember, code DeAndre Aiden for 15% off all merchandise at ArizonaWildBags.com. Have a great week and bear the F down. <laughs>